We are in Yavamos Ayin Beis, Amin Beis 72b, uh, towards the middle. We have been discussing the topic of somebody who is an RL, somebody who is uh, not circumcised, and the different uh, halachic ramifications of somebody who is not circumcised. We've mentioned that they are not allowed to eat truma. If you have a Kohen who is uncircumcised, he's not allowed to eat the special food that is given to a Kohen, the truma. He's not allowed to partake in the Korban Pesach. He's not allowed to eat from the Pesach offering. He's not allowed to even eat from the Pesach offering if his children or if his non-Jewish slaves didn't go through a bris milah, through a circumcision. And those were some of the laws uh, that we've seen. They are allowed to do all other mitzvahs. They're obligated in all the other mitzvahs uh, besides for that. We also mentioned that in RL, somebody who's not circumcised, they can become tahor. They could become purified if they became impure. Through whichever way they became impure, uh, they could even have uh, go through the purification process uh, if they uh, touched a became impure through a corpse. Uh, they touched a, a dead body, or they were in the room of a dead with a dead body. That's a more elaborate purification process of. Uh, being sprinkled, and it's not just going to the mikvah, but it's also uh, having uh, certain waters being sprinkled on during the seven-day wait, on days three and day seven. They're allowed to do that as well. So our Gemara now is going to discuss a similar but a different uh, practical ramification. Uh, when it comes to the sprinkling of these waters, it's the water that has the ashes of the paraduma, of the red heifer, so it's an elaborate process, and there's one person who sprinkles the water onto the person who has to become purified. The person who is impure it has water sprinkled upon them, and there's another person who is sprinkling the water onto them. So we know that in RL, somebody who's not circumcised could re- could receive it, could become pure. Could they also be the one, could they be the, the person who uh, sprinkles the water onto them? Is that allowed or is that not allowed? So that will be the discussion most of the discussion for this recording. So the Gemara says, Alma Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar says, It's fine. It's perfectly fine for somebody who's not circumcised to be the one who sprinkles the water on. Why? Because we say that somebody who's a Tful Yom, a Tful Yom is somebody who went to the mikvah. They went to the mikvah already. They became purified. However, with regards to different laws, they do not become fully, fully pure they don't, they don't complete the purification process until it hits nightfall. Until it hits nightfall, so then they're referred to as a tevul yom. They're just waiting. They already went to the mikvah during the day. Tevul yom went to the mikvah during the day. Uh, but they're waiting until nightfall to complete the purification process. And we say that somebody who's a tevul yom, even though in general uh, they they could still um make other things tummy, make other things impure. They, they haven't completed the purification process. Nevertheless, they are allowed to be the ones who sprinkle the waters, the paraduma waters. It is permissible for them to do it. Not only is it permissible for them to do it, but it really became uh, a custom for them specifically to go ahead and do it. Uh, they would be the ones who did this. So just like they could do it, so too, says Rabbi Lazar, in RL, somebody who's not circumcised could also do it. Why? Because uh, a tful yom, 
somebody who did not, who, who went to the mikvah, but they didn't, it has not yet reached nightfall, they're not allowed to eat truma, the special food that's given to the gohain, but they're allowed to do the paraduma, they're allowed to be the ones who sprinkle, so too, the RL, somebody who's not circumcised, they're not allowed to eat truma also. They're also kosher bepara, they can also be the ones who sprinkle. The more asks, what are you talking about? But it's full yom, even though they're not allowed to eat truma until nightfall, but they are allowed to eat meiser. They're allowed to eat meiser sheni. There's certain, there's certain food uh, that you have to bring on years one and two and four and five of the seven-year cycle. Uh, there's food that you would have to bring to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem, and eat it there. And and a tful yom is allowed to eat that. Uh, but in but in somebody who's not circumcised, the Gemara is assuming, is not allowed to eat that. That's actually a discussion that we'll get to on the next page. Uh, but the Gemara is assuming that somebody who's not circumcised is not allowed to eat this Meiser Shani. But a tful yom could. So we see that a tful yom, somebody who already went to the mikvah, they're just waiting till nightfall, they have more leniencies than somebody who's not circumcised. So how could you prove from one to the other with regards to paraduma, with regards to the sprinkling of the water with the ashes of the red heifer? How could you prove from tful yom that just like they're allowed to do it, so too so somebody who's not circumcised, but there are other areas of halacha where we say, of, of Jewish law, where we say that uh, somebody who's a tful yom, somebody who um, is just waiting for time to pass till nightfall, that until, that until nightfall hits, that they have certain leniencies, such as Eating Meister Shani, uh, eating from that produce that you have to bring to Yerushalayim on years one, two, four, and five. So the Gemara says, no. We're not discussing eating. This has nothing to do with eating. This has to do with sprinkling water. Sprinkling water, you're not eating anything. You're touching. You're touching the water. The question is, are you impurifying the water by touching it? So if we're discussing touching, Somebody who's a tful yom, they're waiting till nightfall. They're not even allowed to touch the truma. They can't. Not only are they not allowed to eat it, they're also not allowed to touch it because they make it impure. And yet they're allowed to be the ones who do the para duma to sprinkle the water with with the ashes. So then, certainly an RL, an RL who's not circumcised, they are allowed to touch truma. They're not allowed to eat truma, but they don't make truma impure. So then, certainly they could be involved in the purification process. So that is the logic of Rabbi Lazar. The Gemara says, Tanya We even have a brisa to prove this. It's not just a statement from the times of the Gemara, Rabbi Lazar, but it's also a brisa. If they do this, so then it works. And there was even a case like this, and the Chachamim, the rabbis, they allowed this. So the Gemara now questions this. Uh, both the brisa and Rabbi Lazar, the Gemara says, Is this really true? But we have another brisa which says as follows: Tom Tom Shekidesh, Kidusho Pasov, and the Shu Savik Aral. But Aral Pasov Kadesh. The first opinion says that a Tom Tom, somebody who we're not sure if they are male or female because the skin is covering that area, they say they, they're not allowed to be the ones who sprinkle. Why? Because if they're a male, so then they, don't go, they didn't go through a circumcision, and somebody who didn't go through a circumcision is not allowed to be the one who's involved in the purification process. So clearly, we have an opinion that says that they are not allowed to be the one involved in the purification process. It says it straight up from, from the first opinion. The, the b'risa continues. We'll read the rest of the b'risa, but really the whole proof is from that first line. Uh, we'll read the rest of the b'risa, but it's, it's not important with regards to uh, this question. 
But it says, Vandroganus Shekidesh Kedushu Kasher. According to the first opinion, an androgynous, uh, somebody who has both male and female genitals, and so they, they have, it's unclear exactly what their status is. They have both male and female. So if they had a, if they went through a circumcision, so then they would be allowed to be part of this process. That's what the first opinion says. They're allowed to be part of this process because if they're male, so they had a circumcision. If they're female, so according to the first opinion, a woman is allowed to uh, be the one who does the sprinkling of these waters. Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda argues, and he says, Rabbi Huda says, no, an androgynous, uh, somebody who has both male and female uh, generals, is not allowed to be uh, the one who sprinkles because women are possible. According to Rabbi Huda, women are not allowed to be involved in this process. According to the first opinion, women could be involved. According to the second opinion, according to Rabbi Huda, women cannot be involved, but that's just all the rest of the Brisa. Ketani Mia. The point of the bride says, Aral Vesafik, Aral Pasumil Kaddish. Somebody who, it says, uh, black on white, that somebody who is not circumcised, even somebody who's questionably circumcised, meaning we're not sure, the skin is covering the area, so we don't know if they're, they're male or female, they're not allowed to be involved. They can't be the one who sprinkles the water with uh, the ashes of the paraduma, of the red heifer. So how could we say that, they, that they're allowed to? So Rav Yosef comes and he says, I'm Rav Yosef, Hi, Tana, Tana, Debeyar, Rav Kivahu. Rav Yosef comes and he says, you know what? It's true. It's a machlokas tanayim. It's a dispute amongst the tanayim of the, of the different rabbis from the times of the Mishnah. If you recall, we had the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, he said, what is the source that somebody who's not circumcised, uh, what's the source that they're not allowed to eat truma? It comes from the same verse that discusses uh, other people who are tame, who are impure, that they're not allowed to eat truma. And so, says Rav Yosef, Rabbi Kiva is of the opinion that if you're not circumcised, it's as if you are impure. And if you are impure, so then you're not allowed to be involved, besides for the Tful Yom, the person who already went to the mikvah is just waiting until nightfall, but if you're actually impure, so then you're not allowed to be involved in the, in the sprinkling of this water. And so therefore, according to Rabbi Kiva, and according to Rabbi Kiva alone, he would be of the opinion that somebody who's not circumcised cannot be involved in this process. But everybody else, according to the other opinion of Belazar, uh, you would be able to be involved in the process. And so it's a dispute. It depends on whether you hold that somebody who's not circumcised is equal to, is equivalent to somebody who is actually impure. And Rabbi Kiva is of that opinion, so therefore somebody who's not circumcised cannot be involved in the process. So Rava comes along, Amar Rava, and Rava says, Yosef. I was in front of Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef is the one who gave this answer. Vikashali. And I had a problem with this answer. If this is true, that Rabbi Kiva really holds, that somebody who's not circumcised is equal, it's as if they're really impure. It's like they became impure through some other means. So then how come we don't find this anywhere? It's not found anywhere that they're, that they're equivalent. So it can't be that this is true. So the Gemara says, no, what are you talking about? We do find this elsewhere. It's mentioned elsewhere. For those of us who remember the days of Chagiga, this is quoting from Chagiga Hakatani. They put them together when it says that the list of people who are exempt from going to Yerushalayim three times a year during the holidays uh, to to bring a sacrifice. There's a whole list of people who are exempt. This is the very beginning of Chagiga, and included in that list, the Gemara adds on to that list. There's a price that adds on somebody who's not circumcised and somebody who's impure. And it says, it puts them together. So we do have a source that actually puts them together. 
So Rava says back, no, that's not a proof. Over there, the reason why they're put together, it's not because somebody who's not circumcised, it's, as, it's like they're actually impure. That they can't even sprinkle uh, the water onto the, uh, onto the person who is impure. No. Uh, the reason why they're put together there is Mishum Demois. It's because literally it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's not that they're equal. It's not that someone who's impure and somebody who's not circumcised is equal. It's as if uh, somebody who's not circumcised is, is impure. No. But they both fall under the category of moist. It's, it's just talachically, from a halachic perspective, it's disgusting. It's not proper for them to go to Yerushalayim three times a year, to Jerusalem three times a year, to the base of Migdash, to the temple, to bring sacrifices. It's just, it's disgusting. So there's no proof from there. So at the end of the day, we don't have a proof. We don't know, according to Rava, who is the source? It's not Rabbi Akiva, according to Rava. It can't be Rabbi Akiva. We don't find this elsewhere. So we don't know who is the source to say that somebody who is uh, not sacrificed, if they, if they didn't have a circumcision, that they, why is it that they, according to at least one opinion, why is it that they can't um, also be involved in the sprinkling? Why can't they sprinkle the, uh, with, uh, with the water that contains the ashes of the paraduma, the rabbit heifer, onto uh, the person who became impure and touched a, uh, a corpse. Okay, so that is uh, the end of that part. The Gemara now continues, and just once we brought in the previous Brisa, it now analyzes this Brisa. So again, the rest of the Brisa had essentially a dispute between the first opinion and Rabbi Huda. The first opinion says that a woman can, is allowed to be involved. Essentially, a woman is allowed to be involved in the purification process. They could sprinkle the water. Rabbi Huda says they can't. They cannot be involved. Now, paraduma, it's, it's interesting. Paraduma, this idea of this purification process, it's different than karbanos. It's different than sacrifices. This is not a sacrifice uh, at all. Uh, this is just a purification process. And so when it comes to the sacrifices and being involved in, in the work of the base of Mikdash at the temple, that was only for men. Here we have a dispute. Are they are women allowed to be involved in this in this process or not? The first opinion says yes. Rabbi Huda says no. Where is this coming from? Sigmar says as follows. V'ozu they fit according to their reasoning, meaning they, they, they're consistent to Tanya, because we have another Paisa. According to the first opinion, everyone could sprinkle, even women, except for a minor, uh, somebody who's deaf-mute, and a shota, somebody who is not in touch with reality. Uh, but a woman couldn't. However, Rabbi Huda says, a child is allowed to, but women can't. Besides women and androgynous, also somebody who has uh, both male and female genitals also cannot. They're they're also uh, disqualified because they're also a woman. So we have the same dispute. My time, my Rabbanan. What's the logic of the first opinion? How do, where do they come up with their reasoning? It says it in the plural that they should take the ashes. pasli basifa psulin. And it connects it to the gathering. It connects the gathering. The verse itself connects the gathering of the ashes to the sprinkling. And according to the first opinion, just like women could gather the ashes, anybody who's allowed to gather the ashes, and women can, so they could also sprinkle. Anybody who's disqualified from gathering the ashes, so then they're disqualified from sprinkling. And so that's why the first opinion says women are allowed to gather the ashes, therefore they could sprinkle. Miners who are disqualified, they cannot sprinkle. Rabbi Huda says in the back, no, if this is the case, why 
uh, doesn't the verse say that they take it in the singular? It should continue in the same uh, in the same way. If if just like earlier it was in the singular, it should also be in the singular. Why does it change it to the plural? Da'afilu hanach tapsulim hasam k'shirim hasam k'shirim hacha. That that there there are those who are disqualified from uh, gathering the ashes, and yet they are allowed to sprinkle. Who is that referring to? Children. That's what Rebbe says. Children, minors, they're allowed to sprinkle. What about women? Why can't women? Because the verse also says, It doesn't say, it doesn't end it with a hey. Uh, that since it is written as vinasan and not vinasna with the added hey, it's there to exclude women. What is the first opinion to? This is a whole ping pong match. It goes back to the first opinion. What do they do with the fact that it changes the plural? The rabbis, the first opinion says, they're the opinion that says women could sprinkle. They say the reason why we have changed it from the singular to the plural, because if it was all singular, we would have said as follows. We would have said, the one who does the gathering of the ashes, that person also has to sprinkle. Or let's say it was all in plural. So then the two people who are involved in the gathering of the ashes, they themselves have to be the one who sprinkles. So we change it from singular to plural to teach us that no, one per- there could be one person who does the sprinkling. A different person could, could um Pour the water, which com- is combined with the ashes. Sorry, one person could gather the ashes. Another person could sprinkle the water, which has the ashes now in them. And it could be two different people. So that's why it changes from singular to plural. In the end of the day, the point of the Gemara is really trying to show this point that there's this dispute between the first opinion and the second opinion in this price, between the first opinion and Rabbi Huda. Uh, according to the first opinion, women are allowed to be involved in the sprinkling process to sprinkle. However, a minor is not allowed to. Uh, according to the second opinion, according to Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, no, women are in fact uh, disqualified. They are disqualified, but a minor would be allowed to. Okay, one more line, moving on to Ayin Gimel and Aleph, to 73a. V'hiza hatar ala tamay tar mechlal shu tamay. Limit al tfuliyom shekasher b'para. The last line here to conclude uh, this topic, and then in the next recording we'll discuss a new topic. It says, how do we know that a tfuliyom, going back to the tfuliyom, how do we know that a tfuliyom, somebody went to the mikvah already, they're just waiting until nightfall in order to eat truma. They have to wait until nightfall. Other halachos, how do we know that they're allowed to be involved in the process? Because the verse says in the process of the sprinkling of the ashes of the paraduma, of the red heifer, it says, Vihiza Torah that the one who's purified is allowed to sprinkle onto the one who's impure. The implication is ha tahor, the one who's pure, meaning he just became pure. Even somebody who just became pure, they were impure before, i.e., the Tuliyom, the person who went to the mikvah already, even though it's not yet nightfall. And certain areas of uh, the laws of impurity still continue to apply, like the fact that they're not allowed to touch truma, but still they're allowed to be involved in the purification process uh, itself. And that's the source uh, for that idea. Um, so that, that concludes uh, this part of the Gemara, and we will discuss a new topic in the next Gemara as we move on to 73a.